Hello everyone and welcome to episode 339 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Zephron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. Welcome back. How was the vacation? Good to be back, Seth. It was an exciting vacation. Saw some uh, some turtles, some sharks, some manta rays, and then uh, red-eyed back. Didn't even make it out of the airport. <laughs> We got the uh, Niatuk messaging me, new set, is the new set up, Wizards, please, new digital only set with new mechanics and new types of cards, so uh, literally fresh off my vacation, already back into spoiler season, so here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, spoiler season, it never ends, and that's going to be one of our big topics of the day, of course, but before we get to that, are we... uh, (laughs) We have another co-host. I almost jumped right into the sponsorship. It's it's been too long since we podcast. It's been a whole week. Krim, how's it going? How's it going today? <laughs> Morning, Seth. Uh, yeah, much like Richard had mentioned, we already bringing in a new set means I, I spoiler season's back on, and this time with a bunch of sweet cards. Well, you know that Wizards talked about. I think we're about to go into. I don't want to spoil it. So yeah, I'm really excited because I love historic. So. Yeah, so our big topic today is going to be historic. Uh, Last week, we had a big banning that kind of sets the stage for today. And then, out of the blue, by surprise, we got a little, like, leak when Wizards accidentally published an article on Friday. We got the full info today. There is a new set releasing on Arena called Jumpstart Historic Horizons. It is officially spoiler season now, I guess. The set's coming out August 12th, I believe, which is like two weeks from now. So we're right back into spoiler season with a set that features not only like 700 reprints or something with a bunch of new, a bunch of stuff from Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons 2, other sets, but also 31 new cards that are only going to be available on Arena and they are embracing the digital aspect of Arena, doing things that you just can't do in Paper Magic. They actually asked Mark Rosewater a question on his blog about this and he basically said these cards aren't coming to paper that's not the idea you couldn't even make these cards in paper so we got some weird wacky stuff that we've never seen before that we're going to be talking about today but before we get into that a reminder that today's show is brought to you by card conduit and you've probably heard about card conduit from us before they're a great way to sell your magic collection and they're offering a new service geared towards selling smaller batches of valuable cards with a reduced service fee with their curated shipment service, you can sell your cards at the best available buy list price with only a 5% service fee. And as with all card conduit services, you don't got to sort your stuff. You don't got to grade it. You can just safely package it up, ship it out, and you'll get a detailed report with the results. So you can check out card conduits curated shipment option as a way to buy list up to 150 cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee of just 5%. And you can even get 10% off by heading over to card cardconduit.com slash goldfish. So Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards and big thanks to them for supporting the show today. So let's talk historic. And before we get to the exciting new stuff, setting the stage for all this, we had a pretty meaningful banning the middle of last week. Richard, what uh, what was banned in historic while you were away? Nothing, Seth, nothing. Something was suspended, <laughs> though, and that was Brainstorm. Uh, to to the shock of mm. everyone, the best card in all of Magic, aside from Black Lotus, I guess. I guess from aside from like Black Lotus and Power Nine, you know the 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 face card of Legacy, uh, Brainstorm was deemed too powerful for historic. Uh, so they're testing it out, uh, but. Um, 
I don't know, maybe things will be different with what we're going to talk about next with Historic Horizons, which is why Wizards put it into suspended instead of just straight up banned. So they're they're thinking they could sneak it back in the format at some point in the future with the suspension. What uh, what do you think about the brainstorm suspension, Krim? I know you were when we talked about this before. You were one of the kind of supporters of brainstorm. How are you feeling about it now that it's no longer, at least for right now, legal in the format? I I think it's gonna hopefully come off. Or I guess that's more wishful thinking. Uh, I, I hope that it comes off the ban list or suspension list because I do think that, you know, <laughs> that that card was fine. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was it was really good. It was really powerful, though. Uh, and I, I kind of just hope that it does come off the suspension list because it was nice to have counterplay to cards like Thought Distortion and, you know, uh, Thought Seize and stuff like that. So it was pretty fun to use that defensively. Uh, I, I also think that like the, the, the level of depth that comes with Brainstorm, uh, was a lot more interesting. And like, you know, the deck building that, that would be built around it. Like, you know, all the increase in fetches, the field of ruins and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I, it was interesting to see how it would work without, you know, the current fetch lands, like, you know, like Bloodstained Mire or any of the Zendikar ones and stuff like that. So, all around, I just like the level of play that it brought to the format. I I am sad to see it go, but I'm also not surprised. I mean, I gotta I gotta celebrate a little bit. I think Brainstorm was just too good for the format. I agree with Richard. It's like on the short list of best now power uh, best non power nine cards in the entire history of the game. And we saw in some of the last tournaments before it was finally suspended. It was at like 65%, 55% of the meta. And we are seeing literally every top performing deck be some sort of blue deck specifically to take advantage of Brainstorm. Like that was one of the biggest pushes into those colors. I think that it clearly was doing too much in warping the meta right now. If anything, I'm a little disappointed that they suspended it rather than banning it. Like, I know a lot of players were upset about this too because you don't get wild cards back for a suspension and it seems very unlikely to me personally that Brainstorm is ever gonna be okay in the format. So I'm not sure why we're going the suspension route, especially after they went like full on suspension for like Time Warp in Thassa's Oracle and even like some of their justifications that when they banned Time Warp, they were like, well, like five decks in the top eight of the Strict Saving Championship were playing Time Warp. So, you know, pretty good. And then Brainstorm was eight of top eight in the same tournament. Like every single deck was playing it. And they're like, well, we're not sure. The data is a little fuzzy on this one. So we're going to suspend it and, you know, see what happens. So maybe things will change with all the new cards entering the format. But personally, I'm glad it's gone. And I wish they just outright ban it so players could get their wild cards back because it is a little a little bit of a bummer to especially with them being printed at rare like spending rare wild cards to get a card that has always been a common and then having it be suspended so you can't play it and not get any of your wild cards back that's like the the triple whammy for players i think yeah that that is a little unfortunate yeah and i mean who knows maybe it comes off suspension and then it would be fine but i don't know i i'm guessing that it's probably unlikely to come off in the near future but we got bigger news than that so brainstorm's gone but we have by surprise a new set coming out jumpstart historic horizons it has a ridiculous number of cards a ridiculous number of reprints we don't know most of them yet but we do know there are 31 brand new digital only cards coming historic in the set and we got our first look at them today so before we talk about these individual cards 
What do you guys think about the concept of this? Like, do you like the idea of wizards making cards that they have themselves said are not able to be printed in paper. So these cards are never going to be legal in legacy or vintage or commander because they just don't work in paper. What do you think of the concept of this? Do you like the idea of having digital only historic cards that don't exist anyplace else? Or do you dislike this idea? Uh, as you already know, I mean, from our previous discussions before, I, I love these things. I love that uh, it seems that Wizards is rolling with the whole digital aspect of the, the game. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the more entertaining parts as we see everything kind of unfold. But yeah, really happy that Wizards is finally doing it. What do you think, Richard? I'm gonna agree with Thor here and say uh, I don't like it. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. It's part of Magic is like taking cards and playing them anywhere and everywhere. Like taking your old standard cards, playing them in Legacy, and like taking you know whatever new funky things you have, putting them in your Commander deck, and this kind of fragments that. So on, on that side, I don't like it. But at the same time, I get that some people just play digital only. And this is like a cool thing, right? Like there are some things you can't do. So I think it's fine in general, but I personally don't like it. I, I kind of like being able to, you know, have a historic card pool that you can play, you know, you can make a legacy deck out of your historic cards, right? But now you can't, right? So so I don't know. Eh. But I... We'll talk about it when we get to the mechanics. I don't like what they're actually doing here, but the concept itself, I think, is I'm kind of just neutral on it. Uh, it so is, is it? Uh, I'll go ahead, Graham. Is it not just going to be like a different format, though? Like, I mean, like I kind of just look at it like that. Like, hey, this card is just exclusive to a certain format; can't be played anywhere else. So, so I think that's true. Although we've never really had that before, have we? We've never like this is outside of like. I guess the new player experience cards in best of one on arena, but we've never really had like, I don't know, this card is only legal in standard or whatever. Like traditionally, some stuff isn't legal in the newer formats, but everything filters into like legacy, vintage, a lot of stuff filters into like modern. So it is, it is different, but I think that's how I am trying to look at it is like, this is its own unique format. And in that context, I'm actually okay with it. Like, I feel really strongly that modern has to be modern everywhere. And if they were doing this in modern or they were doing this in like real traditional best of three standard or they were doing this in legacy and you had a different format on moto or on arena than you did in paper, I would be very strongly against this. But I view historic as its own unique thing. And it's this really fast digital format where things change really quickly. And I think that's what appeals to me about historic. Like I like that aspect of historic. So in the context of historic in specific, I actually think this is perfectly fine as far as an idea. The only thing I will say is there been some like rumblings behind the scenes of people being like oh can historic ever you know be a paper format can we have a historic gp someday or whatever this certainly kills that like historic is never going to be a paper format this i believe confirms that so it's an arena thing it's a digital thing but i think it's fine to treat historic like its own thing and add cards into historic specifically even if those cards don't make it to uh to paper or can't make it to paper so let's talk about some of the individual cards. Richard, these cards, just so it's clear to everyone, they're not even being printed in paper. They're only on Arena. They're only legal in Historic and presumably like Historic Brawl or whatever. They're not legal in Standard. Richard, guide us through some of these weird new spoilers. All right. Um, well, well, let's go 
mechanic first and then I'll, I'll give you a card that that deals with the mechanic okay so first we have a mechanic called seek and what seek does is you grab a card randomly from your library that meets a certain criteria with no shuffle okay so you may play an h game where something like this happens <laughs> but we have a man an H a game. banner guardian, okay, two to black, four, three. When it dies, each player seeks a non-land card with mana value two or less. Uh, so what that means is Arena will randomly pull a card, mana value two or less, out of your library, stick it in your hand, and your deck is not shuffled. So if you, you know, for some reason, brainstorm is unsuspended and brainstorm something to the top, uh, it would still maintain that order, uh, something you could not do in paper whatsoever. Ah, so you're like discovering a new card. Yes, say. possibly. Except, <laughs> except it's it's completely random, so you don't even have any any control over it, other than in deck building. So I actually think Manor Guardian is one of the better cards that we've seen out of these new cards. A three mana four three is surprisingly legit stats, especially for a black card, but it compares to cards in other colors that have seen a decent amount of play. Like, that's a, a bone crusher body, let's say, or uh, other similar effects. Garrick's Harbinger is also those stats. It's seen some standard play, so I think this is a relatively good body. And then, even though both players are going to benefit from it when it dies, presumably you're going to have a little bit more control over it. If you're black aggro and your opponent's like playing control, you can kind of manipulate to some extent what cards you're going to get as you're building your deck when your opponent presumably is not going to be building their deck with Manor Guardian and, you know, Seek in mind. So I actually think this has potential to be pretty powerful. If you want to go really deep, you can even try to manipulate it by like only having one card in your deck with mana value two or less or something. And then you know you're going to be seeking out that specific card every single time. But a three Three mana four three that also gives you another card when it dies, even with the drawback of giving your opponent one. This actually seems like a pretty reasonable threat to me. Yeah, uh, it, like the fact that yeah, like it's I, I I don't think a lot of exiling effects exist right now in historic outside of like Shadow's Verdict. So with Fatal Push being one of the things, I mean, oftentimes you will get to seek, and uh, you, as you had mentioned, it is pretty sweet how you can potentially. Like, kind of, like, manipulate the way, uh, you, like, you draw a card or you get a card, but, uh, I, I, this card, I'm excited to see. I mean, just how Seek plays and all of that, so this is gonna be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. I, I would just throw this, I think, or at least try it in Mono Black Aggro. Like, the three drop yeah. slots kind of weak in Mono Black Aggro. You have a ton of stuff, you, you can't control it, really, but grabbing a Dreadwander, Gutter Bones, or Knight of the Even Legion, or a Skyclave Shade, when it dies, even at random... That's decent value, so I, I plan on immediately trying this in historic mono black aggro. We'll see if it ends up being good enough, but I think there's a chance that it is. Is a three mana four three good enough? Uh, so, <laughs> like I, I, I view actually, it as three mana four three, both players this. draw a card, right? I'm like, do you really want to be playing this? Like <laughs> uh, what's what's the white card? The three mana three three each player draws a card? Like, do you really want to be playing that? Right. It'll be an, a, a fun card to see, but I, I actually don't know if it is actually, like, power level-wise. Like, you know, like, uh, is it better than, like, because oftentimes you're playing Spawn of Mayhem or something like that uh, as as your three drop uh, and, and a few other things. So I, <laughs> I'm not sure if this is actually better. 
Uh, yeah, although I will say those stats are actually pretty rare on a black creature. Like, I don't think there's a three mana four three that I have found that doesn't have some sort of big drawback attached to it, like demonic taskmaster. Like you have to sacrifice a creature. There's some like random zombies like Plague Belcher that are going to put counters on things, but it's actually like pretty, pretty big stats for a black creature. So I think, I think it's got a chance. And I think that in some matchups, it's really not like the, the symmetrical seeking is really just not going to be that big of a deal because your opponent's might not have anything that great to actually tutor up with their seek. So in theory, like you're going to be able to build your deck around it. Your opponent's not going to be able to build their deck around it. And hopefully you will get more value out of it because you put the work in during deck building than your opponent. will. like your opponent gets a random like spell pierce or something out of their auras deck. And you're like, you're like, sure. That's not even like really a card. Why, you know, you're getting like another threat because you built your deck in a way to make sure everything that's two or less mana is going to be a hit. So I don't know. I actually, think it's pretty good but we'll, we'll see like all these cards are so weird and the mechanics are so new that it's going to be tricky to evaluate because we don't have much historical context to put them in you can't point to an old card and be like oh yeah we saw this seat card be good before because this is all brand new stuff that we've never seen look you say this is brand new but i play h game for a long time seth and one of the reasons <laughs> i quit <laughs> was because of these symmetrical effects that were too symmetrical where my opponent gets a legendary and I get some like crap common and I'm like great game thanks <laughs> so at mana value two or less is not bad but wait till we get a card at man mana value like five or less your opponent gets a five drop bomb you get a one drop and you're like okay thank you magic arena close <laughs> so I'm a little concerned about this one I'm not gonna lie I'm like I don't need more RNG in my RNG game right like mm. <sighs> Yeah, that, that is something that concerns me a little bit. Magic already has a lot of variance with its resource system. Hearthstone, the H game, I mean, doesn't. <laughs> so, 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 oh, uh, they, that's they have what to, you meant. They have to generate more variance in other ways because you gotta have variance to make the game fun. So, I feel like Magic adding more variance this way, it does worry me a little bit, but so far, uh, this card, at least, seems safe enough that it's not concerning, but I could see things with Zeke being pretty frustrating, as you mentioned. All right, next. I mean, oh. at least it's not putting it into play, right? <laughs> yes, this is this you is still, the uncommon cast, version. Right? Uh, yeah, they'll they'll yeah. eventually roll out. So they, they actually said in the article that they're starting, so they're, they're aware that some existing Magic players may not like this and that they're, they'll be afraid and they'll be scared and tentative. So they decided to roll out with some tame mechanics, right? They're just testing the waters here, seeing what happens. Uh, so this is just a start. So maybe uh, people don't like it and they stop or maybe people love it and then they really go ham with the mechanics and, and you know, start uh, you know, ramping up the variants. Uh, okay, next up we have Perpetually. Uh, so this mechanic <laughs> modifies a card permanently, even if it changes zones of play. Uh, so uh, we have Lumbering Light Shield as our example card. One in a white, it's a 1-4. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals a non-land card at random from their hand. It perpetually gains... This spell costs one more to cast. So if they cast from their hand, it costs one more. If they decide to like snapcaster it, flash it back somehow, it also costs one more. Uh, so this card just permanently is changed forever. Uh, 
that that <laughs> perpetually that that mechanic sounds hilarious to me so <laughs> uh, uh, i mean other than that i mean that's kind of cool right i i dig that that's definitely something i've seen from another game before but um, what, what is it again the hearthstone yeah okay well i'm i'm pretty excited regardless i i I don't I think variance like- is bad. I don't think this uh, permanent modifier attached to a card is also bad. I mean, I I definitely can see me not paying attention and like getting got by that, like playing as if you know it didn't cost, I don't know, thirty two more mana to cast uh, for. I don't know if there is a card like that, but uh, yeah, I, I it seems fine. It does. It I like the mechanic. I like the idea behind it. Once again, very much so. Getting uh, like you know, rolling with the digital only aspect. I feel like this mechanic's pretty blah. Like, I mean, I guess it's cool, and maybe it's just the the cards that we've seen featuring this mechanic so far strike me a little bit like not very powerful to the point where yep. I don't really imagine playing them in competitive historic decks. I just don't think they're they're really good enough. But I could imagine powerful things happening with this mechanic, like perpetually pumping your own creatures, let's say, or perpetually reducing the cost of all the cards in your deck or something like that. Like there are really powerful things that could happen with this mechanic. But from what we've seen so far, it's like, oh, give something death touch perpetually or whatever. It seems pretty safe the way that they're doing it, because in Magic, like, how often are you going to be casting the same spell? I'm sure you can construct a scenario where Lumbering Light Shield is, like, really sweet, and you hit something with buyback or something, but for the most part, you're casting a spell once, and that's kind of it, and I don't know. So it's hard for me to imagine most Magic decks getting too much value out of the cards we've seen so far with Perpetually. Have you not seen this card called Brazen Borrower that likes to bounce cards? I, I've seen it in a format called Standard, maybe. But I can see like a giant growth. You like giant, you perpetual giant growth. They bounce. You're like, okay, I play it again. It's still big. Uh, and then keep going, maybe. Yeah. Like it's like a super aura, right? That stays forever. And- or, you know, people reset their creatures a lot, right? Like you give your creature like minus two, minus two. And they're like, okay, I'll bounce. I'll get it back or, you know, whatever. Uh they, they, I guess they could blink it out, uh, stuff like that. This, this will just stay forever. So I, I do see use cases, but it's a lot more, um, you know, corner case use cases rather than like a, a normal mode of play. Yeah, there's there's one called Devriel's Wither uh, Withering that is one black mana instant. Target creature gets negative one, negative two perpetually, and that actually feels like kind of a cute answer to Cauldron Familiar. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of is you hit their Cauldron Familiar and then they can't like really recast it because it's always going to die. Like whenever it comes into play, it's just going to die again. So I think that that's like kind of cute. So there are cases where the cards can be good, but none of them strike me as like, wow, obvious staple that is just like insane against most decks or anything. It's more kind of like niche cases where they're going to be powerful, I think. All right. Uh, so next up, we have Conjure. Uh, we don't even have an example of a card, but what Conjure does, it creates a card for you to use out of nowhere. Not a token or a copy, but an actual card that can sit in your hand until you're ready to use it. And the cards you can conjure are cards that uh, are possibly not in the set. Uh, so for example, they've given us three conjure cards, which are Ponder, Stormfront Pegasus, and Tropical Island. <laughs> None of them huh. are in the set, but you can conjure them up. 
Stormfront Pegasus just <laughs> randomly in there. All right. <laughs> I I mean, come on. Can we can we just I, I mean, I hope Ponder's actually in the set, but if we can't have Brainstorm, can we at least have Ponder <laughs> or give give blue players at least preordain or something like that? Heck, I even think serum you do have Ponder. You just got to conjure it first, Crim. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're easy. I don't want to ponder. I don't want to ponder. Like to, to conjure to get a ponder. I want to just have it. This, there's there's a there's a very awkward thing here, and it's the Stormfront Pegasus. I'll be honest with you there. Well, at, at this point, we know very little about this mechanic. Like, yeah. uh, we just we just really don't know exactly how this is going to work. When you conjure, are you conjuring from like? a small list of cards what are the conjure cards gonna say is it just like conjure a card or is it conjure a land or a you know a one mana instant or a sorcery like who knows what restrictions will be on there so at this point it's just are, are you conjuring from the all the cards that are on arena could they all potentially be one of the cards that pops up when you conjure or is it a smaller number we just really don't know at this point so i mean this is very much a h game mechanic like i think maybe the most infamous h game mechanic or famous at this point is uh, the discover mechanic which works very similar uh similarly to this where you're getting a three cards actually out of a random subset of cards and then you pick one and it goes into your hand so very much a digital mechanic at this point it's just hard to say much about it my guess is that it could be very powerful like being able to add more cards to your hand is powerful especially if it comes incidentally like oh when this enters the battlefield uh you know you just get a random card in your hand that's a pretty potentially powerful mechanic and this is the one that does scare me a little bit because i played a bit of hearthstone recently and I have this like love hate relationship with the discover mechanic at times it's really fun and random things happen on the other hand there are times when suddenly your opponent just happens to randomly end up with the literal best possible card for a situation and it just beats you on the spot and you know that it happened at random and it is infuriating for me like it absolutely drives me insane when it's like oh i discovered i discovered i discovered and oh look i found this perfect card i win the game like come on now you had to hit three random cards in a row to end up with that card that beat me like so i am a little bit worried that this could be the really swingy mechanic where as you mentioned grim there's a storm from pegasus you you know what the difference is between Stormpunk Pegasus and like Grizzlebrand or Emrakul or like some Jace the Mind sculptor? There could Not be much. a ridiculous, <laughs> there could be a ridiculous <laughs> amount of, va of variance within this mechanic. So we gotta wait and see what the actual cards say. But this one does worry me a little bit as far as how much variance it could add and how it could end up being frustrating. I mean. I mean, every, every, just remember, like, every time you get blown out by the, the random generation of, like, I don't know, a Ragnaros or something like that, <laughs> there will be a Stormfront Pegasus, and you'll just be very upset. So, the variance will, once again, variance is fun. It's fine. It, like, I, I think it's fine. It's a card game anyway, so I'm not surprised that it's there. So, so we don't, just, we don't know that it's random yet, right? That, so it's a speculation oh, yeah. that it could be random, like, you know, randomly conjure a one mana value card or something, right? But it could be something like Garth, where you, so Garth makes a, a copy of something, right? Of one of the five, uh, you know, iconic cards, but you have to cast it immediately, right? So Garth could have very easily said conjure where the card goes to your hand. You can cast whenever you want, or maybe something like an Isochron Scepter 
where you tap it to conjure the card you exiled and you keep in your hand and you can, you know, keep stacking up these cards or something. So it doesn't necessarily have to be random. Uh, we'll, we'll see how Wizards goes, uh, with this when they print it, but my guess is it's random. My guess is, (laughs) given the other two mechanics, my guess is it's random, but we'll, we'll see what they do with it. But it could be anything at this point. We don't know. I think it's going to be a lot. What I hope is it's a lot like actually just full on the discover mechanic on some, but not, not like the discover mechanics where it just randomly puts a card from the Hearthstone card pool into your hand. It's more of like, here, you can pick between these three. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I imagine that's kind of the direction they're heading, but uh, we don't know for sure. But that's that's kind of how I envision it too. Is like Magic's twist on that mechanic. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think it'd be a lot of fun adding that <laughs> minus the Stormfront Pegasus. But but you know what? I, as much as I joke about Stormfront Pegasus existing, maybe maybe this means I can remove wind conditions. I'll just <laughs> yeah, you're generate. you're good. You'll just randomly generate a Stormfront in your control deck. That's your that's your <laughs> yeah. That's that's probably as good as uh, trying to mill your opponent out or whatever. Like that that could yeah. work. I can see that. <laughs> can I now? Okay, so like this card comes out. Can I now just say that I am Pegasus Tribal? What what if they perpetually yeah. Yeah, I think that would count. perpetually wither Maybe. your Pegasus? Now what do you do? We we hopefully generate <laughs> another one. <laughs> All right. I I will say this makes me excited for Cube. Like just seeing Tropical Island and these cards on the client gives me a little bit of excitement for the future. Cube drafts, the possibility of someday modern and legacy. So I'm glad to see these cards being added, even if they're not officially going to be like in a format at this point. But we know that they exist on Arena, which I think is a good thing. Even Stormfront Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Especially start for Pegasus. <laughs> Last uh, thing go ahead, Wizards <laughs> said they're doing is uh, they are no longer restricted by physical space on a paper frame. So we know they've gone MDFCs where like literally the whole card is just text front and back. Well, guess what? They're bringing the text outside of the card. Uh, and the example is Davriel Soul Broker, a new planeswalker. A- uh, two black black uh, for starting loyalty. Plus one until your next turn whenever an opponent attacks you and or planeswalkers you control. They discard a card. If they can't, they sacrifice an attacking creature. Minus two. Accept one of Davriel's offers. Then accept one of Davriel's conditions. Asterisk. I'll get to that. Minus three. Target creature perpetually gets minus three, minus three. So uh, what is an offer and what is a condition? Uh, we have a list. Each list is two, four, six, eight, eight conditions that you can choose from. So, uh, Davriel's offers are draw three cards, conjure a manor guardian card into your hand, right? So that's a conjure mechanic, but a specific card. Uh, return two random creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. They perpetually gain plus one, plus one. Return a random creature card with the highest mana value from among cards in your graveyard to the battlefield. You get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus two, plus zero. You get an emblem with spells you cast, cost black, less to cast. You get an emblem with Davriel Planeswalkers you control, have plus two, draw a card. You get an emblem with whenever you draw a card, you gain two life. Those are his offers. His conditions. You lose six life. Exile two cards from your hand. If fewer than two cards were exiled this way, each opponent draws cards equal to the difference. Sacrifice to permanence. Each creature you control or you don't control perpetually gets plus one, plus one. 
You get an emblem with creatures you control, get minus one, minus zero. You get an emblem with spells you cast, cost black more to cast. You get an emblem with whenever you draw a card, exile the top two cards of your library. You get an emblem with at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each creature you control. All right, I finished reading the card. Does anyone understand what the card actually does? And also, these conditions are subject to change. <laughs> so they may possibly change them in the future if they feel like it. That's dope. I'm excited. There's a lot to take in there, but you know what? They're fully running with it. They're like, you know, we're magic and we're, we're going to we're going to add our sp- Spice to the whole random stuff, <laughs> random side of uh, the gameplay. And so it's like now imagine if every Hearthstone card had every card in Strixhaven that has like two paragraphs on the front side and then two more paragraphs on the back side. So, okay. I, I'm, uh, let's be honest here. Also, these conditions, there's really only like one mode, which is like you lose six life. <laughs> or, or, it's, I, I mean, unless they, the, the, the they like print ensnaring bridge. You're not playing creatures. You yeah. play that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it, it's also also worth mentioning that they said when you activate it, you're going to get three of those to choose from at random. So you don't get every choice every time you activate Davriel. They're going to show oh. you three randomly chosen offers, three randomly chosen conditions, and you have to choose one of the three that randomly pop up. I am so excited. I'm going to low roll all of these. This is going to be great. <laughs> I mean, this card's bad, right? Like, <laughs> I, don't I imagine does, this card is just like... <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think any of us know what it does. It, the offers are powerful. Like, all yeah. of those offers are powerful. Of course, but you can kind of get screwed over a little bit. Like, if you're playing a control deck, you know, have creatures getting creature, you know, creature pumping is not going to be super beneficial. But the conditions are actually, like, pretty major drawbacks and can kind of undo some of your, like, offers. Like, if you draw three but got to exile two cards from your hand, like, you're not really coming out that far far ahead so i i don't know my guess is the card is just not very strong i don't think the protections all that good like the plus one to make your opponent discard a card if they attack you or davriel like eh, that's not really going to keep it alive the negative three is like kind of interesting but that doesn't deal with bigger creatures although it is perpetual so it keeps them small my guess is this is just like a weird goofy funny random card that you'll play for fun but i i'm not super worried this is going to actually be like a top tier constructed tournament playable but that can change that's that's true. Like, so you never like, know. So, yeah, like the although right now they are rolling out what seems to be a very 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 safe planeswalker. I yeah, like that that could change. Maybe like the, if this sees like negative play or like just zero play whatsoever, they're going to like all right, we're going to we're going to power like we're going to power it up a little bit more and then it's just a little bit more and then a little bit more and then then eventually it'll be the best planeswalker. Who knows? I'm I excited. Mean, they, they can power up the card by changing the conditions post, right? Like, you don't even need to errata or make yeah. a new one. Uh, they've also said, said that uh, there's one for each color. So we will get one for each color in the set. Uh, so my biggest concern about this is I just don't understand what the card does. Like, MDFCs were complicated enough. Uh, I don't understand what half the cards in Magic do anymore, let alone how they interact with each other. Uh, do we need to be this complicated? That is my question, right? Like, I feel the limit on text box size was kind of a boon in that you only have so many words 
you just need to understand all those words and it's okay. Now you have infinite number of words. I don't understand any of the cards anymore. It's just too complicated. I'm an old man now. I don't have time to read an encyclopedia every time I play a card. I just want to play like a one mana two two. Okay, like is there anything wrong with that? So I don't know. It's it's so complicated. Like, ugh, can you imagine playing with a new player? Like, what does this card do? Hold on, let me look it up. <laughs> right, let me read the text on this. Hold on. I I think it'll be easier once you play it because it's only going to yeah. give you three options, and they're going to pop up in front of you, and you're just going to think, okay, like in this situation, is it better for me to draw three, you know, add a mana gargoyle to my hand or guardian to my hand, or like pump my creatures, and you choose that one, and then you get the the three that pop up for the negative, the conditions, and you choose whichever one's least painful. So I think it'll be, I think it'll. Play Play better than it reads because you're not gonna have to look through eight options. So let's say time. I it's just gonna turn one thought sees you. You're holding a Davriel, a Conjure card, a Seek card. I'm like, what do any of these cards even do? Right? Like there are cases <laughs> where you need to know what the cards or like say your opponent plays a Davriel. Should you attack it? What does it even do? Right? Like what will happen if I don't attack it? Like it's very difficult to figure out what's going on. Like even without the RNG, right? Like you can try to calculate the RNG out, but you actually need to know all the clauses, right? Like you, you know, cryptic is already, cryptic command is already difficult enough with four clauses, right? But we, we've had like a decade to get used to it. But now these new cards are just pumping out left and right. It's, I don't know, man. It's hard. Will you thought seize this, Seth? Is it good? <laughs> I, I don't think we got to worry about it because no one's going to play it. So <laughs> it will not be there to be thought seized. I will say if we're going this direction, I want a five color planeswalker god or something that when you plus one, you get a random plus one out of all the plus ones of every planeswalker that's ever printed. And when you negative, you get a random like pop three negatives of past planeswalkers up kind of almost like the Urza's head card, whatever that was that came in unstable. Like, wouldn't that be so sweet to have a planeswalker that just like mash together all the abilities of old planeswalkers? Like, assuming we're going this direction. It might as well, might as well go all the way. Like, just embrace it. Like, if this is where we're going, just, just do it, and and we'll see what happens. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Would you play it though? Yeah. Wouldn't it yeah. suck? It's like too much RNG, right? You would just play it for funsies once, but would you actually play it in a serious deck? I mean, you, you could hit the perfect thing, Richard. You never know. <laughs> but, but what if you like minus and you get like I don't know, Ugin's minus X? <laughs> that would actually be kind of hilarious. <laughs> Like, oh, that feels so bad. If Well, okay, if, if it's plus, I think if, if it were like plus one or plus whatever, and you just get a random Planeswalker ability. Now, that could also lead to an emblem. Oh, that it could. Hmm. And that's its no, only ability. No, no, it's no just, way. Is it, so you're po- so I, I do the plus. I get a plus one, plus one counter because I got a stupid Johnny or something. You do a plus and you get like a Nicol Bolas ultimate. No way. <laughs> Get me out of this nightmare. <laughs> I am so down for that. I would love to see that. Just just for the first initial like like couple of weeks to see how it plays. I mean, think about that. That would be so cool. Just randomly, oh, get a get a Teferi emblem. I guess every time I draw, you're getting exiled. I mean, Momir is I will fun. Say, Momir is fun, but it, it is, is Momir though, I, right? How do you want- feel about Momir in your historic? Right. Mo- Melmir I- is really fun in small doses. That's my experience because the variance for me at least becomes 
infuriating after a while. So I like playing a few games of Momir, but if Momir was the only way I could play Magic, oh my goodness, I... I, I don't think I could stand it. I think it would drive me insane after after a while, just with the amount of variance that goes into it. So I, I the thing that makes me feel comfortable about this right now, though, is none of these cards feel that good to me. Like, I, none of these are like, oh, my goodness, that's an obvious, like, staple that's going to show up in a bunch of decks. It feels like Wizards knew this was going to be a big leap for a lot of players, and there was going to be some pushback from some players, even I think Aaron Forsyth said that in the article that spoiled all these cards, like, we figured some people, you know, were purists or whatever, might not be happy about this, so they went a little bit careful, and I really think they did go careful. Like, all of this stuff to me feels like weird, wacky stuff that you can play for fun, but most of it doesn't feel like stuff that I'm going to worry about showing up, you know, at the next world championship or whatever, like the big tournament stage, like just none of it feels good enough. Maybe it's the first step towards that and that we do end up with really push cards or maybe some of the other new cards that we haven't seen yet do get there. But I think the best card that they released today is one that I think you could probably print in paper, Subversive Acolyte. Like that's probably, I would say, the the card that's just most powerful as far as I would put it in a deck. And I've read that card like three times and I still can't figure out why that card couldn't be printed in paper. Paper. Uh, all right, let's talk about Subversive Accolade then. Black, black, 2-2. Two, two. Uh, it's a human. It comes in at rare. Uh, two generic mana, pay two life, choose one, activate only once. Uh, Subversive Acolyte becomes a human cleric. It gains plus one, plus two, and gains lifelink. Uh, Subversive Acolyte becomes a Phyrexian. It gains plus three, plus three, and gains trample. And whenever this creature is dealt damage, sacrifice that many permanents. Like, couldn't that be a paper card? Why? What What makes this digital exclusive and unable to print in paper? They want to sell some, sell some cards. <laughs> it's okay. just a normal card, right? I don't know, I, right? There's nothing specific about it, right? It permanently yeah. changes I mean, itself, I, uh, but we have cards that do that already. So I, I don't, there's nothing crazy about it. It seems like a good <laughs> card, though. Like a, a two mana two two that can become a three four with lifelink or a five five with uh, that's a Frexian <laughs> oh, really? negator, essentially, like a very risky five five. I feel like that's actually a, a relatively playable card. Like that's another card I would at least consider for black aggro decks. Yeah. I mean, it, they curb, it doesn't, they curb it into doesn't each do other. anything. Yeah. 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 Like, it, you, it, you play it, this it on does, two, turn three, activate, but sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Like, like that's pretty much it. Like, it, it just plays, it, this could totally play on paper. But I guess at the same time, if this is just going to be something that exists only online, uh, I'm excited to see how this plays. Uh, th- this seems fair. I, it doesn't seem that powerful either. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping they don't play it too safe, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> I mean, speaking of safety, even if the 31 new cards are relatively safe, I think Historic is in for a huge shakeup because Wizards talked about how there's going to be hundreds of Modern Horizons and Modern Horizons 2 cards. And we already saw Ranger Captain of Eos, which is like legit yeah. modern staple, really, really powerful card. So even if the the new cards are safe-ish, I think some of the reprints are going to be a really big deal for Historic and really change the format. Yeah. Ranger Captain of Eos is going to be a fun one, and I guess that's going to give a boost to, like, Death Shadow, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, White white Weenie decks will almost certainly play it. We've Soul, seen some Soul White Sisters. Aggro decks, like, going to be great there. <laughs> so, 
now that we've talked about all these cards and we've actually seen the mechanics, has your feelings changed from the beginning of the podcast? Like, are these cards going to impact historic, the new cards in specific? Like, do you think it's going to really shake things up? Do you think wizards went so safe that we can just ignore these and like kind of pretend like they don't exist? And how comfortable are you about the future of, of digital magic with these cards? Are you worried at all that? we're going to get in a spot where there's too much RNG and it's just too random. Or do you think that, you know, it's going to, it's going to be fine. And a little bit more variance is not necessarily going to be a negative thing. I think it's going to be fine. It's not a little, little variance won't hurt. And on, on top of that, I kind of wish they made these a little bit more powerful. Uh, but, but the beauty in that is that they can, uh, now they can like with the ability to modify it whenever they want. Uh, I'm excited to see how that plays out. But yeah, for right now, I think they played it a little too safe. So let, let's let, you know, let's let's let them loose first. You know, kind of kind of like the Strixhaven uh, mystical archives. You know, they let that into the format and they wanted to see how it goes, and then they suspend and you know ban accordingly. Yeah, I, I think power level wise, it'll be fine. I think Wizards knows what they're doing, so maybe the new cards won't be too powerful. But I'm sure they're gonna put powerful reprints into the set, right? I'm sure they're gonna shake up historic. So that part, I'm pretty sure of. Um, I, I don't like the RNG. Magic is RNG enough. I don't know why we need so much RNG. I don't know why the set is so big. Like, it's very hard to collect. 782 new cards. Good luck collecting it. Like, how how many dollars do you think we need to spend uh, before we get what we need? So, I, I don't know. Like, personally, this is just making me shy away from Arena. Like, it's, like, very complicated. It's, like, a very big set. Most of the cards won't be played in Constructed. And it's just making it feel like the H game, right? There's there's a reason I play Magic and not Hearthstone. Uh, and this is blurring those lines such that I don't want to, but I don't know. I, I think I'll give it a shot when it goes out, but like it makes it hard to play like spiky Magic where you're trying to actually sequence your turns, you know, think of what's going to happen. You can't because there's too much RNG going on, right? You have RNG on top of RNG and it's hard to play around that. So I don't like that part of it, but... Maybe it'll be funny to plus and get some Planeswalker, you know, activations, get the get the Ugin ultimate or something off of nowhere. Like that could be fun. But like, how long will it be fun for? Right. Is it will it last a week or will it last five years? Right. So that's the real question I have. <laughs> There's no that, same play pattern. Though, so I guess. There is no play pattern. You just you just shoot your heads in the air and see what happens. Right. Yeah. We. <laughs> I, I would say, like, if this was the direction of magic as a whole, I would be very uncomfortable with it and probably feel a lot like you do, Richard. But as a thing for just historic, just on Magic Arena, I I, I kind of like it. And I, I know it'll be frustrating at some points, and I am concerned about the variance. But if historic is just this weird, wacky place where things that can't happen and any other format happen, I think I'm okay with that because if I want to play like 
and this might come across bad, but like real serious magic, I can play modern or I can play best of three standard or whatever. So I kind of like the idea of there being this weird Momir-esque style of constructed format where crazy stuff is going to happen. If all of magic was like that, I think it would be a big negative and I would be turned off by it. But having a format that does that, I think it is actually a little bit appealing. My biggest concern is the prices. Like Jumpstart was the least player friendly way that wizards ever release cards onto arena it was so expensive it was so hard to get cards and this is even bigger jumpstart i believe just the total number of cards in this set is massive i think it's around 700 is what they said so that has me a little bit concerned i'm imagining this is going to be a thousand dollars for me to get the cards from this or whatever on arena like some really high price the only bit of good news is i i tagged magic arena in a tweet asking about duplicate protection and they confirmed that the reprints will be using existing versions that are already on magic arena rather than new cards so last time when you opened i think it was charter course was one of them but there was a, several examples if you already had a charter course now you have a jumpstart charter course in your collection as well uh, this is going to use the existing versions for reprints so if you already have a place at a charter course and you open another one you're not going to get another charter course you're going to get sadly a little bit of vault progression which isn't like super generous but it is still something so there is duplicate protection for uh jumpstart historic horizons which hopefully makes it a little bit more player friendly but i still expect this to be a really expensive set just because of the the size of it like 700 cards that is a lot of cards and modern horizons is powerful like if they put a lot of the rares and mythics from modern horizons into this set that's going to be a lot of cards that you're probably actually going to need to play competitive decks in historic so the cost concerns me but i'm fine with historic being this weird unique place where there's a lot of variants and there's cards that don't exist anyplace else i I think that's fun and I think it's in the spirit of historic as a place where things are constantly changing and it's just so different than any other format in magic so from that perspective I think it's a win I am just <laughs> dreading how much it's going to cost anyway uh I think any other thoughts on jumpstart historic horizons or should we hit up a, a couple of fish mail before we wrap up the cast today all right Fish mail. If you have questions, send them to at mggoldfish with the hashtag mggfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Well, there's some spoilers in here. I don't want to read this one. Okay. Juzams to plowshares. I have been struggling lately with being a sore loser and being salty towards my opponents while playing in person. Do you have any advice on how to quell those types of reactions? Daffronalo, Asian Avenger, how do we not be salty? <laughs> So for me, I think uh, not being salty is a matter of like not not taking the game too seriously and trying to not put too much focus into winning or losing, like being able to have fun when you lose, I think, is a really valuable skill. And I think it's something that you have to kind of intentionally train yourself to do. It's not always natural, but try to think of 
the fact that you're going to play magic for one thing and if you're playing magic you probably enjoy magic so even if you end up losing you're doing something you really love to do which is a good thing that should make you happy anyway and then if you don't put too much pressure on yourself as far as actually winning and focus on what good can i take out of this i used to talk about this quite a bit with like really bad much a brewer against the odds decks where we hardly won at all and one of my goals would be to you know take away at least something learn something even if we go oh and five and it wasn't particularly close learn something from that experience so i think if you can shift your mindset to focusing on always learning something win or loss and trying to not put a whole lot of focus on the winning or losing aspect and instead just appreciate the fact that you're lucky enough to be playing a game that you love i think that makes it a little easier to uh, not end up getting salty when things don't go well wait you actually can win games Hold I, on. Have once I, in a while, I, it's I've, happened I've, before. I've never won a game before, so <laughs> <laughs> no. Like I like legitimately, I I think I've just I go into every match with the expectation that ah, you're still trying to play a control deck in what day and year? <laughs> I'm gonna lose anyways. Oh, wh which version? Well, I'm playing the Grixis version, so you know I've got terrible mana. And <laughs> oh, so, oh, I, Grim, I, <laughs> I I don't mean to cut you off, but I. <laughs> The other day I, I streamed uh, Standard 2020 and then I after I streamed I was like I feel like playing a bit of magic I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little bit more I uh, <clears throat> I forgot to uh, change the format and ended up queuing into historic with my Standard 2022 uh, <laughs> deck and it was Grixis Control and I ended up beating them with my no sideboard Standard 2022 deck and it it made me think of you Krim as I crushed oh, the loss with a <laughs> with Standard 2022. <laughs> You know what? That just tells me that we need to ban whatever deck you're playing now because <laughs> Le legit though, I, I think the best way to handle losing is much like Seth had mentioned. It's just kind of like learning from your losses and not taking it like, uh, oh, whoa, you know, like if you take it way too seriously and you can't learn from why you lost, like I like to think about what I did or what I could have done better. Um, and if you can't do anything better, like the, let's just say variance got you, then variance got you, right? Like I, I've, I've had games where I've kept three lands in my opener and then just lost. So, cause I didn't draw any more lands after that. So yeah, like I, I think that's the biggest thing. Just always try to take something away from, uh, your, your losses. Cause it is a, a great and very useful skill to, to learn how to lose gracefully and how to still have fun and learn while doing it. Yeah, I think just focusing on your own play. I, I, like, I've seen some really, really salty people. And usually that happens when they think they're better than the other person. And most of the time, they probably actually are better than the other person. But the other person is punting their way through. And then they get the right top deck. And then they win the game. And then the quote unquote better player gets incredibly salty because Everyone knows they're the better player, but they lost the game, right? And then they get like super salty. So, you know, I think you just focus on your own plays. Like, did you do all, did you play to all your outs? Did you do everything you could do in your power? It's a game of variance. Sometimes your opponent will get lucky, right? But as long as you left nothing on the table, you don't have anything to be salty about, right? Like, especially at like an FNM or something, right? Like if you're playing for a top eight GP, you know, maybe you get a little salty, right? Like why did the bad luck have to come now, right? But like FNM, like it doesn't really matter. Right. So just focus on your play, uh, see what you can do better and just, you know, you're, you're there to have a good time. Right. And remember that every single time the other opponent gets lucky, 
the opposite happens to you, right? You get lucky, your opponent's incredibly salty, right? So, you know, you, you know how it goes. It'll pass and then another occasion will arise. So just, just roll the punches and it should be fine. Next question. Standard 2022. Uh, Doc Mac, do you think rotation should change? Should it always be the last four sets instead of a big annual rotation? Have our thoughts changed Ooh. based on 2022? I just wrote an article about standard rotation. Uh, I think four sets is probably a, a little bit too small, especially with how the release schedule works. Could be a little bit awkward, but I I do like the idea of maybe six sets at a time and rotating a couple times a year. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now, and I think part of why standard 2022 feels so good is mostly because. A lot of people are just sick of the Eldorain busted cards uh, and are just excited about what is not there as much as they're excited about what is there. So even though I've been having a ton of fun with Standard 2022 and we'll keep playing it, I wouldn't read too much into it just because, like I said, I think it's mostly people just glad that they're not getting companion or bone crushed or love struck beasted rather than really loving some of the new decks that they're playing with. All right, last question. Shades fan. With Brainstorm now suspended, it seems that the blue Japanese art styles now have two cards that are unusable. Do you think Watsi has the responsibility to refund the appropriate percentage of gems for card art styles that are made useless? Ooh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they should. Will they? Probably not. Uh, but yeah, I think that would probably be the right thing to do because card sales are pretty expensive and people spend a decent amount of money on them with the expectation they're going to be able to play those cards in the deck. And if the card gets me under suspended, it's useless. So I would say yes. I think along with refunding people for the card that is banned, they probably should refund for the, the card style too. Is there a format that you can play Brainstorm with? Like, is there like a free form or a something <laughs> like that you could actually like literally play brainstorm on arena i think historic uh, brawl right is it legal in historic brawl it probably is legal in historic brawl yeah. i think there's like demonic tutor isn't legal in any place so there are some cards that are not legal in any real format i think there is like a a, a way you can battle against a friend with no restrictions like a free form format but you can't play that against other people you'd have to have like an actual friend that you could challenge well I hope Wizards refunds people. I mean, I, I think they need to for the sake of their future sales, right? Like, if a new hot card comes out that may be overpowered, will you buy the card style for it now? Because if it gets banned, you're out your money. So I think Wizards should just do the right thing and just refund people for that. And then uh, that'll help ease the fears for people's uh, expectations in the future when they buy new ones that they'll, they'll know like at the refund. Uh, just like we spend wild cards today, knowing that if there's a ban, we'll get the wild cards back. Although Wizards threw us a curveball with suspensions, uh, but it does kind of create that consumer confidence. Yeah. Um, all right, that's it for our fish meal this week. Thank you to everyone who sent in their questions. If you have future questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 339 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, everyone, have an amazing week. Let us know what you think about all these crazy new arena exclusives in the comments. And this is the crew signing out. 